This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Yesterday's fall economic statement featured billions of dollars in tax breaks for businesses trying to compete with the United States after tax cuts there took effect this year. The move to combat the prospect of losing investment to the U.S. trumped any thought of balancing the budget. There is not even a date projected for when that might happen. Instead, we see deficits all the way out to 2023. And for this year, it's going to be 19 billion dollars. Now, the business community is on board, but what about you? Want to hear from you? Do you think that's a good thing? Does it make you uh, rethink your support for the Liberal government? We are, after all, heading into an election year. The government says the economy is strong. So the numbers to call 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty and right now we go to Aaron Woodrick, the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, and also in Ottawa, Ashton Arsenault, who is a consultant with Crestview Strategy. Hello, welcome to you both. Good afternoon, Hi. Okay, Aaron. Let's start with you. What was your reaction to this? Well, deeply concerned, Libby. This is a government that does not seem to be able to balance the budget, no matter what the circumstances. You know, even the folks who argue that, well, we need to run at deficits in the bad times to boost the economy. The government is, is never stops bragging about how good the economy is. If they can't even balance the budget now, like they promised repeatedly and explicitly, I think the obvious question is, when are they ever going to be able to do it? Uh, Canadians have to pay that bill down the road. They're just kicking the can, uh, and it's our kids and grandkids that are going to have to end up paying for this. And Ashton, what's your take? Uh, your, what's your take? Sorry. Uh, it's not too far off Aaron's, frankly. I mean, we have a prime minister that's more or less famous for saying that the budget would balance itself. Yesterday, his own finance minister confirmed that that just isn't true. Uh, this year's deficit's more than three times uh, than what the prime minister said it would be. He's already added $60 billion to the debt in total. Uh, next year, the deficit's going to be even higher. That's in black and white in yesterday's document. And as both of you have already pointed out, uh, there's no plan to return to a balance uh, in any distant future, going all the way up to uh, 2023. So uh, everybody knows that uh, more debt today uh, means higher taxes tomorrow. And if we look at what this is costing us, because sometimes people, uh, you know, they don't exactly uh, understand that if you run a deficit, you actually have to pay money to service that debt. So last year, uh, the Liberals spent $23 billion servicing the national debt. And by 2023, and the PBO, the Parliamentary Budget Officer, has, uh, was the one that pointed this out, that will rise to $37 billion by 2023. So that's a 60% jump in just a few short years. So those are scary numbers, and 
everything that we spend on not servicing uh, the debt uh, goes directly back to Canadians. And right now, that's not happening. Okay, but is there any merit to the argument that they had to help the business community out with these incentives? Otherwise, uh, there was, a, you know, there everyone agrees there is a real danger because of those Trump tax cuts south of the border. No, no, I think so, Libby. Look, I, I'm not doubting that businesses were under threat here. The Trump tax cuts really changed the game in terms of competitiveness in this country, and they had to do something. And I think they took some measures. Some of those measures are good. Uh, what I'm pointing out is they didn't find anywhere they could cut back spending. The reality is if you're running a $300 billion uh, budget, and remember, spending jumped several times when this government came into office. If you can't find a dollar where you think you can spend less, you're not doing it right. And, you know, as Ashton points out, when you run those, when you run deficits, that debt, the cost of service, that debt, just to give you an idea of how much money it is, because, I mean, $23 billion doesn't mean a lot to a lot of Canadians. That's, that's about as much money as we spend on the entire military every year. And that's money that's just interest on debt. So imagine what we could do with that if we didn't have to pay that debt. Imagine the public services. Imagine the tax relief for Canadians we could offer if we didn't have to spend that money on interest. Uh, Ashton, do you have any ideas about where they should have cut to make up for this? Well, at the very least, I would have liked to have seen a a plan presented for how we can get out of the red ink. Uh, And that that just wasn't uh, readily available yesterday. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm also going to point to a couple of other bizarre things that were in uh, the economic statement yesterday. I mean, a $600 million payout uh, for uh, nonprofit uh, media sources uh, struck me as kind of bizarre in that uh, I have deep concerns on what that means for the future of political coverage in the country. And uh, at a time where uh, many others, in addition to the media, uh, are, are looking for support from the government. They chose to spend $600 million on those writing stories. It, it, it's absolutely bizarre to me. Uh, I have to say that I, I do agree with you. I mean, the media industry news business is uh, traditional media is under threat. But uh, yeah, it does seem a little fishy going into an election year. I have to agree with that. Do you have a view on that, Aaron? Yeah, look, I, I think a, everybody recognizes there's a lot of flux in the media industry, and I know it's challenging for a lot of folks who work in there, and I don't want to downplay that, but I think they may have just made the problem worse. I mean, not only is there a, a financial issue in the industry right now, a lot, of, a lot of companies can't stay afloat, but there's also a credibility issue, and I cannot think of anything worse, um, you know, making the media look biased than the government saying, guess what, we're going to pick and choose who gets subsidies and credits, that doesn't sound to me like instilling confidence in people that the media is actually independent if the government is running around doling out favors to, to uh, media companies that they like. Yeah, and it's, it's what, for non-profit media companies online? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, so and a lot of it is just a change in model, yeah. right? Uh, maybe newspapers, like the reality is, maybe newspapers were a media vehicle that was a big deal in the 20th century, but they may not be around much in the 21st century. And yet the government seems dead set on sort of preserving what we have now rather than letting the industry evolve. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the thing about uh, newspapers all have uh, websites and um, they can't function for free. But anyway, uh, move, I don't want to concentrate on uh, my own industry, though. I have to say that is a little strange. Anything else in the fiscal statement that looked odd to you, Aaron? 
Well, I, you know, I do, I do think they made a good move when they talked about allowing uh, write-offs for capital investment. That was one big challenge. Uh, you know, south of the border, if you make an investment, you can write off the value all of that in the first year. I think the government recognized they needed to do something about that, so they have essentially matched it here, even if it's only time limited. Uh, I think again, that's good. But I have to agree with Ashton too that at the very least, at the very least, even if they weren't going to balance the budget some kind of plan, some kind of path to show how we could get back. That would be the bare minimum, and they didn't even didn't even present that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, I, I, let, go ahead. Sorry, Libby, I just want to jump yeah. on that quickly, because um, unfortunately, uh, yes, the business initiatives that they announced yesterday are great, uh, but we're a little behind the eight ball in terms of what the United States is doing. So, uh, for example, the accelerated capital cost allowance has been increased, uh, which means manufacturers can write off capital investment in year one instead of year two. But the rates, it jumps from 15 to 45 percent, are well behind what's happening uh, in the United States, where you can write 100 uh, percent off on capital investments except for structures. So uh, while it's a step in the right direction, it's way too little, way too late. Yeah, but I, I don't think there's any thought that, that we can uh, do the same thing that you, the United States does. I mean, we do, government does do more here than they do there, and um, uh, Justin Trudeau isn't Donald Trump. <laughs> that is true. Okay, let's take a couple of calls, uh, see what the folks out there think about this. Let's go to Colin in Toronto. Hello, Colin. Yes, hello. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. Um, well, that's what liberals do. They they um, they tax and spend, and they don't seem to give you know a damn about the debt. Um, the present um, twenty dollar uh, twenty dollar twenty billion dollar annual deficit used to be the national debt back when his father uh, Pierre Trudeau took power in sixty eight. The national debt was twenty billion dollars, and it had always been under that before that. Pierre Trudeau started the escalation of the debt beginning in the early 70s. He was in power right up to 1984 with a brief short period in 79 where he was out of office. The Liberal Party under Pierre Trudeau raised the national debt from $20 billion to $200 billion in just over 15 years. They destroyed this country. And uh, Justin Trudeau should be handing out apologies for his father, Pierre, and the Liberal Party gutting this country. Well, we also had a liberal deficit. billion to 200. It's we, shameful. We, we also had a liberal deficit slayer, Paul Martin. He uh, slashed that deficit. Isn't that right, Aaron? Yeah, look, I, I partly agree uh, you know, with Paul Martin. That partly goes back. What happened there, Aaron? Uh, we're not hearing you properly. Oh. Hello? Sorry. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I, you know, I, I have to push back a little bit, but agree partly. You know, Pierre Trudeau set us on this path, and he did a lot of damage in terms of racking up that debt, but it's not a partisan thing. We've seen that Paul Martin, you know, he got the books back in order when he was finance minister, and that's a very good thing. Uh, and the question that, you know, our group had had when Justin Trudeau became prime minister was, was he going to be like his dad, or was he going to be like the Martin liberals? And unfortunately for Canadians, it looks like he's emulating his dad on the debt right. rather dad. than the Martin <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but that was the beginning of it. He started the whole cycle. Okay, Colin, thanks for that. Right. Bye bye. Okay, let's go to Tony in St. Catharines. Hi, Tony. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, good. Okay, if Canada was a corporation, we would have the receivers at our door. 
That's how bad it's getting. I'm going to tell you a little story what the Trudeau people did to my dad's corporation. Three years ago, or was it three years ago, he bought some new vehicles. He was supposed to get a refund from the HST. They refused him, and at the same time, we asked them why, and the people from the CRE said, we need the money. So what's he talking about? Well, this is, I, how bad, this is how bad it's getting. Well, the CRA is supposed to be independent, though we had some bad news about the CRA yeah. from the Auditor General. So I, I don't think you can exactly equate that with the Liberal government. And he's, well, it was true. He mentioned, he says, our government needs the money. We cannot give it. He says, take us to court, federal court. And my accountant said it would cost more to go to federal court than what the refund is. So he knocked, my dad said, let's knock off the corporate. We don't need it no more. No, we need the work. So we have to keep on filing every four months. You uh, think that's uh, right? I, 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 it's, it's hard to know exactly what the situation is. But, Tony, thanks for your call. Um, Ashton Arsenault, I mean, I guess, uh, do you think this resonates with people, that uh, the deficit as an issue? Or do you think if they're getting some goodies, we have middle-income people benefiting from the boost in the baby bonus, do you think that that's what's going to stay with them? Yeah, it's a million-dollar question. Um, When it comes to deficits and debt, uh, if everybody just sort of internalizes how the government's operating here, everybody has a credit card or everybody has a budget monthly. And they know that if they rack up that credit card or if they overspend on their monthly budget, uh, they can't keep going back to the same hole that they got the original funds out of. It has to be replenished. And And what's damaging about this is that the long-term consequences are never fully articulated because they truly are uh, disastrous if we continue down the path. The difference between the 90s liberals, uh, 90s liberals and today's liberals is that the 90s liberals, they had a plan. Uh, but they only had a plan because their hand was forced, because the fiscal ship was in that dire of consequence that they had to do something about it because of the situation that we're approaching today. Uh, unchecked deficits, massive payments uh, to service that debt, and eventually the rope breaks. Uh, what about the argument that the, um, uh, the economy is in good shape? Well, you, the economy is in good shape, according to what everybody is saying, including independent economists. And when the economy is in good shape, you should be building a nest egg for when it isn't in good shape. And right now, the government's not doing that. And that is what's deeply concerning. Because eventually, unfortunately, as often is the case, there will be an economic downturn. And when times aren't as rosy as this, then there will be even more strain on the fiscal situation of the government. And that's why it's, it's time to act now. And yesterday, we did not see that at all. Okay, let's hear from Jim in Hanover. Hi, Jim. Hi. I think my biggest problem with this government is all these promises they make to meet this agreement, to meet this objective. We're a poor country. We can't afford to meet some of the agreements that this government has done. Uh, Even the planes. We can't afford to buy planes. We can't afford to buy ships. Uh, We're pretending to be really rich, and we're not. We're very poor. We're heavily taxed. So this government's got to take a grip of themselves and take a look at the economy. They might be booming, but I'll tell you, we're all living on credit cards, including the government. And one day we got to pay for it daily. Mm-hmm. Great. Great point. True. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Okay, let's go to Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hello. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah. 
No, this this guy is an absolute disaster. He's just he's attempting to buy the media for the next election, and really the election, uh, the campaign is just getting started. The, the spending is going to go on and on and on at infinitum. Here's the guy that buys a pipeline to nowhere. Uh, you know, he, he criticizes Canada when, meanwhile, China's the biggest uh, uh, polluter in the world. Uh, like, where do we go with this guy? Uh, in the meantime, the government actually made some money from the pipeline. I was uh, quite surprised to see that, Aaron Woodrick. Well, yeah, look, they bought a pipeline. Uh, the pipeline, the existing pipeline is already in operation, so I think the figure was something like $70 million. It's not surprising that they're, they're getting a little cash there. But, you know, just to your last two callers' point, I mean, it, spending is easy when you're a politician. It's great to be the guy announcing more spending, cutting ribbons. That's the easy part. But the tough part about governing is making hard choices, making tough choices and having a backbone and being able to say no to groups and others when they want money that you don't have. And that's the problem we have with this government is they want to do the easy part, but they're really not up to the task of making the hard choices. And instead, they just kick the can down the road and leave the problem for somebody else to clean up later on. We've seen that in Ontario. And I, I say, unfortunately, it looks like that's what we're getting federally as well. Okay. Uh, Bill, thanks for your call. Okay, uh, we are starting to run out of time on this. Aaron Woodrick, what would you like to leave us with, and, and where does this leave us, the taxpayers, ahead of the budget? Well, I just hope that all Canadians bear in mind this is a government that was crystal clear in its platform, and even after they were elected, the Prime Minister said it is cast in stone they will bounce the budget. And not only have they not done that, they have blown way past any of their debt estimates and they have no plenty of back to balance. I think that has to weigh on their credibility in the next election when they make promises about their ability to control spending. Okay, and Ashton Arsenault? I, I was deeply disappointed to see no plan whatsoever to return back to balance. Uh, and I hope that that uh, mistake, frankly, is rectified, uh, rectified in the upcoming federal budget. But I'll leave it on this note. Be very wary about a government that gives a handout to the independent media that's supposed to be covering them. Okay. Thank you to both of you on that. Appreciate it. Ashton Arsenault and Aaron Woodrick. Bye-bye. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.